Thanks for joining us for Life Community Church. We have been in this message series for the last few weeks, and we've been looking at Jesus encounters. People encounter Jesus, and what happens when they encounter Jesus? What happens to their souls? What happens to their minds? Most oftentimes, they're transformed. Not every time, as we've seen. Some people have resisted that transformation in Jesus. But what happens when we say yes to Jesus when we encounter him? And so that's what we've been looking at over the last few weeks. Liz and I, we used to live in the north woods of Wisconsin. Anybody been up to the north woods for like a vacation or anything? Yes, beautiful place. We were up in Eagle River for four-ish years, and we lived at this uh, retreat center. And so we would have people come from mostly Chicagoland, sometimes even St. Louis or other places, to come up and just retreat at this beautiful place on uh, pristine lakes all around, beautiful forest. And so we had this one patch of forest that was a great patch of forest. It was like, compared to any piece of forest down here, it was like the best forest in the world. Um, Not that anything's wrong with our forests. I love them. Um... But people would come up there, they would see deer, they would say, oh, what a beautiful forest you have. And so in this one particular piece of forest, we decided to do something called forest management. It's a good thing, um, but it doesn't always look that way. And so what we ended up doing was bringing in all this machinery. We took out all this invasive trees. We took them out, um, cut them all down. So we had these awesome like tree, they grab the tree and then they strip it. And then they cut it up into little pieces. It's an amazing piece of machinery. I could watch it for hours. Um, So those came in. They tore up these invasive trees. They took out these weed bushes that were growing all around. Um, You know, it was just a a bunch of removal of stuff that wasn't needed. And so as we were doing this, people that were visiting the, the retreat center were appalled They're like, what are you doing to this forest? Why are you tearing it down? You guys are evil people. You just want to sell the lumber for money. You know, they just did not understand the concept of forest management. They're wondering, why are you ruining this beautiful forest? Well, that was eight, ten years ago. And if you go back there today, you now see the the big trees that were already there. They've They've grown into the space that has been left by these weed bushes, and they're now even bigger and stronger. We now have uh, paths that wind through this forest, through some beautiful cedar trees next to the lake, through these giant pine trees with an open, you know, wooded, mossy floor with ferns growing. Just a beautiful, beautiful scene where before it was just kind of this mangly forest. But now it's turned into something beautiful, and it took... A lot of work, a lot of what looked like tearing up the forest to get to that point. Why, people said, why are you ruining this beautiful forest? But we knew the results behind what would happen. Have you ever asked Jesus why? Why is this happening to me? I don't deserve to go through this. Why don't you do something about this, God? I know you have the power, just take it away. I'm sure you have. I have. I still do ask those questions of God. And I don't plan to give a detailed solution to the problem of evil today, why bad things happen to us. But I will say, in short, we live in a broken world. 
We live where people and creation are broken. And we long for God's perfect kingdom where there's no more pain. We want to live where the times are good, right? We don't want to live in, in times where things, bad things happen. Although sometimes we do see this, the, that thin veil between heaven and earth be pulled back and we get to see the perfectness of heaven come into our lives. And we look forward to when Jesus returns to set all things right. So we're not going to solve the problem of evil today, but that's kind of why we live in this broken world. We have to go through difficult things in our life. You know, the ones where we're asking God why. And in those times, we can know that Jesus is with us. So today we're going to be reading John 11. So if you've got your Bibles, devices, whatever you got, you can turn there with me. John 11. And we'll start in verse 1 here. So John 11, 1. A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus's sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. I have some college buddies. Uh, their names are Tim, Ben, and Jesse. And we try and get together every once in a while. Um, you know, wherever we can, whenever we can, we just try and get together. And So a few months ago, we decided to get together and play a round of golf in Bloomington, uh, my friend Jesse, he is one of the top heart surgeons in Bloomington. Um, for as young as he is, he's renowned. He's really known for what he can do in heart surgery. So he works in Bloomington. Um, and then my friends Ben and Tim were there as well. So we all got together for this, uh, this golf day. We we're just going to go golfing in the morning. So our tea time was at 9 a.m. And... Um, uh, ben and Jesse and me, we all show up at the course on time and we're waiting for Tim to get there and, and Tim's just not, he's a no-show. We text him, nothing. So we're just like, you know what, we got to make our tea time. We'll just start going. He can catch up as we go. And so we all tee off. We get down past the, you know, halfway down the first fairway. And uh, I get this text from Tim's wife and, and Tim's wife texts me and I read it out loud to the other guys and it and it says, Tim is in the ER. He's had heart trouble. Please pray. So, um, so I read it out loud to them. As soon as I read that out loud, Jesse gets a phone call from his work. And it says, hey, you are needed immediately for heart surgery. You're the only person that can do this. You're the only person that can do this heart surgery. You've got to come in now. So, of course, he says, what's his name? What's the patient's name? The hospital says, Tim, it's Tim, our friend. And so um, me and Ben run back to the golf cart, ready to floor it back to our cars. And we look behind us and there's Jesse lining up his next golf shot. 
And so we're like, Jesse, what are you doing, man? This story's not true. Jesse, what are you doing, man? What, why what, are you, are you going to... Are you going to keep playing golf here? And he says, yeah, this is the best drive I've ever had on this hole. I am going to finish this hole. And so I said, are you kidding me? Tim is dying and you're actually going to finish this hole? And he says, no, 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 no. I'm going to finish this hole and then we're going to finish the round. And then we're going to get some drinks and then we're going to have lunch. And then maybe... I'll go into the hospital. And before he could finish that sentence, me and Ben, we grabbed him, shoved him in the golf cart in the back of the car, and took him to the hospital, saved him. So you guys can laugh. It's not a true story. Um, my friends aren't, aren't that bad of friends. Um, but this, this is what Jesus did. This is essentially what Jesus did as his friends came to him and said, we need your help. And Jesus seemingly sat on his hands and stayed where he was for two days. He did nothing, absolutely nothing. Imagine being Mary or Martha, Jesus' friends. Imagine being the disciples. Like, what, what were they thinking? What were they thinking about Jesus? What were they feeling They've seen him do so many miracles up to this point. He's turned water into wine. He's fed 5,000 men, plus women and children. He's walked on water by this point. They've seen him heal a paralyzed man. They've seen him uh, bring sight back to a blind guy. And I wonder if they thought about Jesus healing the centurion's servant. Do you remember that story where... This Roman guy goes to Jesus and he says, my servant is sick. I need you to heal him. And Jesus is like, okay, healed, done. Jesus didn't even need to go to the location to heal this guy. And that guy, he was a Roman. He wasn't even one of their own tribe. He wasn't a friend like Lazarus was. He wasn't a family member. He was a stranger. He wasn't even Jewish. He was a Roman. He was seen as a guy who was an oppressor. He worked for the enemy. He was the enemy. And Jesus healed him. And so Jesus, if you can heal that stranger from miles away, then why not our friend Lazarus? Have you ever done that with God before? Asked him why? Maybe you've compared your situation to others. Well, God, if you can work in that person's life, why not do the same thing for me? You provided for them, and I follow you so much more than they do. Why won't you do this for me? Why are you letting me go through this? Why won't you provide for me? I want to tell you it's okay to ask those questions. It's okay to have big emotions. We serve an even bigger God who created your emotions, and he's a good father who wants to hear from you, no matter what your emotions are. And I think you're going to know from the Holy Spirit in your prayers if you're crossing a line of disrespect or something. But I think for the most part, it's okay to give God our big feelings. And in those moments, when we have those prayers and those questions, we must remember that Jesus is with us and his promises, no matter how we feel about them, remain true. 
Let's keep reading. This is verse 5. Um, so although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But the disciples, they objected. They said, Rabbi, only a few days ago, the people in Judea were trying to stone you, and you're going there again? Some backstory on this. Jesus uh, left uh, kind of the Jerusalem area where Lazarus was. He, he had said some pretty crazy things that uh, he was the son of God, and people didn't like that, and so they wanted to stone him. So he left, went to an area where they didn't have control. And so by going back there, uh, he's risking his life. That's the context. Verse 9, Jesus replied, There are 12 hours of daylight every day. During the day, people can walk safely. They can see because they have the light of this world. But at night, there is danger of stumbling because they have no light. Then he said, Our, friends Laz our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go wake him up. The disciples said, Lord, if he's sleeping, he will soon get better. They thought Jesus meant that Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sakes I'm glad I wasn't there. For now you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. Thomas, nicknamed the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let's go to and die with Jesus. There's something. Thomas, even in the midst of this confusion, this uncertainty, Thomas puts his full faith in Jesus. Remember, this is doubting Thomas, who later doesn't believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And he said, I don't believe it. But here he's putting his full faith in Jesus. And although he doesn't fully comprehend what's going on, he's willing to follow Jesus even unto death. And ultimately, this deeper faith, this deeper trust and belief in Jesus is what Jesus is trying to teach them. It's what this story is all about. In verse 15, he says, For your sake I am glad I wasn't there, for now you will really believe. If you had a time machine, you, you ever get asked this question? If you had a time machine, where would you go? What would you go see? If you could go anywhere at any point of time, what would you go see? Of course, I'm going to see the dinosaurs. Who else wants to see dinosaurs? Anybody? Even if they're scary? All right, if you, only a few. I thought like everybody would want to see dinosaurs. Um, all right, so I'm going to go see dinosaurs. I'm going to go back to New Orleans in 1986 to watch the Bears win the Super Bowl and uh, eat some good food because I wasn't uh, alive. I, I missed it by a year. Um, and they're not going to win the Super Bowl again, so I want to go see that. That'd be fun. And of course, I'd want to go back to Israel and see Jesus do some of these miracles. I, I mean, I've often thought, like, if I could just see Jesus do a few of these miracles, my faith would be so deep. I would have such a rock-solid rock foundation in Jesus. I would have an unshakable faith if I could just see Jesus do these miracles. But based on John here, it looks like my faith wouldn't be all that much stronger. Because we've got these disciples who have experienced miracle after miracle, 
sign after sign, wonder after wonder, some of the the best teaching, not some of the, but the best teaching they have ever heard in their lives. And Jesus says there's still room for belief. He says there's still room for belief because he says, for now you will really believe. I mean, consider all these miracles the disciples have witnessed. They've seen his authority over nature as he calms the storm and as he walks on water. They've seen his power over spiritual darkness, casting out demons who are oppressing people. They've seen his compassion and power over brokenness as he heals the lame, makes blind men see. Yet after all that, Jesus says there is still more belief, more trust that he wants to give them. And so he's using this broken circumstance, this thing that shouldn't even be Lazarus' death. Wrought with sorrow, confusion, hurt, things that in in his kingdom don't exist. And he's using it to give them an opportunity for deeper trust, deeper faith. And that births an even deeper joy and satisfaction in him. And it couldn't have happened without such difficult times. And when we go through those seasons, we must remember Jesus is with us and his promises, no matter what we feel, his promises remain true. Continuing on in verse 17, on his arrival, Jesus found, he's back in Bethany now, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. Can you feel Martha's anguish? She may have been thinking, if you had just done the things that I saw you do for other people in healing their brokenness, if you had just done that for me, for Lazarus, this wouldn't have happened. You could have saved him. You should have saved him. At this point in the story, Jesus has broken his promise. Do you guys see that? He's broken his promise, for our understanding at least. Do you remember what he said after the messenger came and from Mary and Martha back, uh, I think it's verse 4? Jesus says, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. Well, Lazarus is dead. It's over. He didn't keep his word. He's been in the tomb for four days. He's decomposing. It's over. Jesus didn't keep his word. That's where Martha is. And sure, you may know the ending to this story. And it may be easy for us to understand that because we see the whole picture, um, we kind of understand what's happening here. But how many times in our lives, in your life, have you been in the throes of your deepest hurt? feeling as though God pro- God's promises for you just may not be true. Maybe they're just for other people. They're not for me. 
God's promises are broken for me. Perhaps you're angry, upset. Jesus, if only, Jesus, if only you would have done this, if only you would have been here. That's where Martha is. There's a promise and Jesus didn't fulfill it. For us, we may be saying something like, if you would have only done this one thing, if you would only just had prevented this, if you would only provide this, then all would be right. And while God can handle our big feelings, we must remember that God's promises are still true whether we feel like they are or not. Martha certainly didn't feel like Jesus' promises were still true. How could they be? There's no way that she could feel that his promises were still true. It's over. I don't know what brokenness you've been through or are going through or will go through, and so I just want to share with you some promises from Scripture that have been encouraging to me. Promises that remain true. If you are a son or daughter of God, these promises are for you. These are all, uh, these are all, all Scripture. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. He will never leave or forsake you. I will instruct you and teach you in the ways you should go. Isn't that comforting? That he's going to teach us and lead us in the, way I sh- in the way we should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. The Lord makes firm the steps of the ones who delights in him. Though he may stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest in your soul, for your souls. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed. You ever feel like that in life? Mountains are shaking, your hills are removed. Yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. These are just a few of the promises, and there are so many more in Scripture for his kids. No matter what valley we're walking through, no matter what we feel, God's promises remain true. And when we choose to turn towards him and lean into him in our confusion, we find this deeper trust that leads to a deep joy and satisfaction in him. Now, watch what Martha does, even in the midst of a seemingly broken promise from the one person that could have healed him, and in the midst of her deep pain. We continue in the story in verse 21. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, you, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. 
She doesn't quite get it. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live, even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? And she responds in her confusion and hurt. Yes, Lord, she replies. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God who has come into the world. If you're here today and you've never said yes to Jesus, I trust you in the way that Martha trusts you. There will never be a better day than today to say yes to Jesus like that, to say yes to Jesus like Martha did. You can read this passage over again as though Jesus is speaking directly to you. And instead of Martha at the end of the passage, insert your own name. I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live, even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? In the, de- in the depths of her deepest pain and confusion, she turns to Jesus, leans into him with all the trust she can muster up and says, yes, I believe it. You don't have to have it all figured out to say yes to Jesus. <laughs> Martha certainly didn't. Thomas certainly didn't. We can say yes to Jesus in the best way that we know how. If you want to say a prayer like that today, if you just want to say yes to Jesus, if you choose to do that today or you have more questions about that, I would love to know. I would love to be praying for you by name this week. Um, It's a wonderful thing. It's a beautiful thing to say yes to Jesus, even when we don't understand it all. Verse 28, after she said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and asking for you, When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet. And said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come alongside her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Jesus, in that moment, cried with his friends. How easy would it be for Jesus to come into that situation and just say, hey guys, hold on, hold on. In like an hour, I'm just going to go raise him from the dead. Okay? It's all good. Uh, Don't need to cry anymore. You're fine. We're just going to, let's go. But he doesn't. Or what if he said, in our difficult times, what if he said, hey, it's really not that big of a deal. Um, you know, people, other people, they've been through worse than what you're going through. And in the grand scheme of everything, you know, uh, it's, it's not really going to matter when you get to heaven. You won't even remember. 
I'm like, it's, it's just going to be an afterthought for you. But that's not Jesus. And it's demonstrated here. He knows the ending. He knows the big picture. Yet he still feels with his friends. He still goes through the dark valleys of life right beside us. He is Emmanuel. God with us. And he demonstrates that here as he weeps with Mary. He feels with us in our pain. He is with us. In our times of trouble, God is not harsh. He's gentle. He doesn't judge. He forgives. He's not indifferent. He welcomes us. He's not inconsistent. He is faithful. He's not too proud. He comes near to us in our pain. In our times of trouble, God is with us. We worship the God of compassion, the God of understanding. And not only does he sit with us, but he comes near to us in spirit to be with us, identifying with our pain, with a tender, kind, understanding heart. His promises remain true as he comes near to us, feels with us, and he is the God who is with us every step of the way. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for the story. We thank you for your nearness, how you come near to us, and you are with us. Jesus, even in the times where we don't feel it, we don't feel as though you're near. God, we trust in you. Like Martha, we say yes to you. Like Thomas, we follow you. Like Mary, we fall at your feet. So Jesus, as you come near to us, we just welcome your presence here. We know you are with us and we trust in your promises. We have hope in your promises as you are the God of hope. Jesus, we love you. Will you guys stand with us in worship? If you need evidence that the Spirit is moving, you guys can have a seat. If you need evidence that the Spirit is moving, I didn't tell Matt to pick those songs. He had no idea what I was preaching about. I, I mean, I, I, I thought those were perfect. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You're a promise keeper. You're the light in the darkness when we're going through hard times and in all of life. I didn't tell you the end of the story. A little bit on purpose because a lot of bit on purpose because I wanted us to worship in the moment as though we're Thomas who said, I don't understand Jesus in this confusion. I don't know why we're going back, but I follow you even to death. As Martha confessed Jesus as Lord, even in the midst of her confusion and her deep pain, she was able to worship 
and as Mary worshipped at the feet of Jesus, all of those three people were in the midst of their pain, not knowing what's happening, and they were still able to worship. And what were they rewarded with? The whole reason that Jesus did this was to deepen our faith and most of all so that we would know that he is Lord. You guys want to know the end of the story? You probably already do, but I'm going to read it anyway. It's beautiful. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you if you believe you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up to the Father, looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out, In a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Jesus' final, Jesus' promise now fulfilled. Jesus is with us in every step of the anguish and now Jesus is here in our rejoicing as we understand the scripture. Can we sing that the last uh, the chorus of the, the last song? You guys can stay seated. Now great is our God Sing with me how is our God, and all will sing how great, how great is our God. So this is the God we worship, no matter our pain, no matter our situation, in the highs of life, in the, in the depths of the valleys, we can worship God. We can lean into Him. Let me send you... Well, first, let me say, if you need prayer, um, if you want prayer, I think the Spirit's moving. I think the Spirit wants to do something. If you feel something in your chest, that could be the Spirit just saying, hey, I want to do something in your life. We would love to pray for you. You can just come to the front row and we can pray for you. Um, If you've got anything going on, whether it's related to the sermon or not, we don't care. We love to pray. Jesus loves to hear what's going on in our lives and we'd love to pray for you. So just come down after, after this blessing and um, you can get prayer. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. Be blessed, you're dismissed, and have a wonderful, God-filled week. At Life Community Church, we want you to experience the powerful, life-changing love of God. To learn more, Go to lifemohammed.org. lifemohammed.org.